0: Thank you. How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this
2: isn't my quote, I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. It's been a while since we've done one of these, and uh, I'm Jeremiah Shan. But this is going to be sort of run, to give you a little lay of the land, by Mark Kastner, who used to sort of do these. Uh, It's been a while, but Mark Kastner is going to take over for me. Tim Foss is here, too. I'm going to be on the podcast, but Mark's going to be the host. You can uh, plan to hear more from Mark going forward. Uh, The plan is to to start doing this on the regular again. Uh, But, yeah, so uh, welcome, everybody. I'll, I'll let Mark take it away from here.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm back. My jersey number is 45 instead of 23. Um, that's a reference for uh, the that's kids. That's a Michael
2: Jordan reference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, thanks, obviously, to Jeremiah for having me back uh, on, on the show. And I hope you guys will hear more of me in the future. But yeah, let's get kind of right into it. So the, um, the uh, Sounders are uh, still a little confusing. I don't think they'll ever not be confusing this season, no matter what happens. And especially if things kind of uh, get more successful from here, but um, I guess we can start talking about the um, pro- probably a good place to start is the second half of the, of the game on last Friday, which two Friday games in a row is totally throwing me through a loop, but yeah. So uh, the first half against the galaxy was not great. Um but there were some encouraging signs from the second half. Wouldn't you say, Tim?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's the weird thing with this season and maybe part of why it's so confusing is there's just not really stretches where the team is fine. Like maybe on aggregate, that's how things turn out. But you know, this game was maybe that in microcosm, the opening half was Pretty downright awful, and then they came out for the second half and remembered that all the guys on the team are pretty good at playing soccer. And Raúl Rui Diaz just went to town on LA and had an outstanding assist on Kellen Rowe's goal, which was just a piece of beauty. He his his own goal was outstanding. Um, I think we really saw the benefit and part of why a lot of, uh, maybe not a lot, but plenty of people have been clamoring to see a bit more Danny Leyva, Um, you know, his impact on where Albert Rusnak was able to show up. Um, what Ladero had the freedom to do that second half was some of the best soccer we've seen from the Sounders in a while. And it's, You know, tantalizing to think, well, maybe if they can keep doing this, they are going to have a shot at doing more than just getting to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I sort of got the sense that. um, So basically, the Sounders seem like they've been waiting for a moment where their backs are finally and truly completely, totally and absolutely up against the wall and you know maybe maybe that breaking point for some fans was like uh not being able to get first or second place in the west and then it was like being pretty far out there in terms of not being able to host host a playoff game now it sort of seems like uh the the point where they're at is is like maybe not making the playoffs but then in that second going into halftime of that game it did it did sort of feel like this is it like if they lose this game the seasons might as well be over do you get that sense jeremiah
0: i mean i wasn't quite as i don't think i'm i was quite as this was a must win game i you know like the math certainly suggests that they were still in it i mean there's eight games left to play and they you know Their playoff positioning wasn't going to be dramatically different if they lost. But I do think it's getting to the point where the belief that they could actually turn it around was starting, like the evidence that this is a good team that just hasn't put it together was starting to become pretty thin. And really, it was reliant on almost entirely on the, the Champions League run. And the Champions League run obviously featured some elements that aren't available to the Sounders anymore, namely Joao Paulo. Uh, they did have that good run right after, but you know that they, they, that wasn't exactly uh, a murderer's row of opponents that they they played in that one. And and the teams around them have have gotten a little bit better. The Sounders have not notably, you know, uh, that's been obviously a, maybe it's something we can talk about today. But the Sounders haven't improved in any notable way. And, and and I think you can say, yeah, they haven't added any players, but the, like the players that we thought would be rounding into form by now, I think, you know, like, I think we all thought Jordan Morris would be closer to his full self. And we hadn't really seen that until the second half of the galaxy where, and maybe even the whole game, I actually thought they were better in the first half than, than Tim was saying, uh, you know, name, like they, they kind of gave up two fluky goals. They had a goal called off. Uh, they were at least looking dangerous uh they obviously looked a lot better in the second half, but yeah, I mean, I guess the the long story short the, the shorter the shorter version of what I'm saying is they needed to show us something, and they finally showed us something and if they hadn't showed us something, I would have had a hard time trying to talk anyone off the ledge <laughs>
1: uh but but here we are fully off the ledge um I think not a couple, fully, but mostly yeah yeah, like we're at least. I mean, maybe we're still on the roof, but, uh, or the window's still open. (laughs) Um, I think, I think one of the interesting things to kind of come out of this game and maybe, maybe this is just kind of a, like too much of a romantic way to, uh, to look at this, but, um, one of the things that worked very well in this game, um, maybe if I could like thread the needle between Jeremiah's point that they were okay in the first half and Tim's point that they were awful in the first half is they obviously switched formations in this match, um, largely due to uh, yet another injury to Christian Roldan. And that kind of seems to be like that injury, this injury, which is uh, four to six weeks. So uh, Christian will be back around the end of the season and then hopefully for a playoff run if, you know, no complications happen, but, you know, obviously this team's been dealing with injuries all year, but this injuries kind of seems to allow the team to settle into a different formation than they play and playing most of the season, but a formation that speaks or plays to most of their strengths. Do you agree?
0: (laughs) I mean, I, I, I think so. I think that this is probably, Given the personnel they have, and that's, like, without Christian Roldan, it's, to me, this is their best formation. Uh, There is a bit of a hole at left wing back. I don't know who the uh, – maybe it's Kellen Rowe. Maybe it's Jimmy Madranda. Neither one of them scream starter right now, but I think you can at least get away. Like, everyone else is in maybe their ideal position if you if you do it that way, and that's probably worth the trade off of getting your best 11 player. I don't know – and I'm not even sure who you're – who your best 11 are, uh, if you don't, if you go to a four, two, three, one, I guess you're who's playing, who's playing right mid in that formation.
1: Probably one of the two left wing backs. <laughs> right. Exactly. It might be. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. It's a good point. Uh, I, I mean, I think it gets eight players in their best position more or less. And they have basically eight players to deal like to make or break their season more or less. Um, one of those players I think is is Danny Leva, which Tim Tim had mentioned uh, a little bit. Tim, do you want to talk about kind of what you saw from from his game?
2: Yeah. Danny has it's frustrating to see you know, I guess three seasons in a row, sort of a young central midfielder start to break out then get injured and lose a big chunk of a season and having it happen to Danny Leva, then Josh Atencio, and now Obed Vargas. It's really easy to have those players lose some of their shine. If it takes a little while to get back to that spot in the first team, especially, you know, if they're working their way back playing with defiance, like those games aren't always the easiest to watch or the, level is not the clearest show of how they're going to fit into the first team again. And Danny's had a decent run of games. This one was the first one where it really, he showed a little bit more of the defensive side of things that you need. If you're going to play someone, mm-hmm. what, if it's the 4 3 one alongside Rusnak in this scenario, playing him behind Rusnak and Ladero, uh but i had a tweet after the game just listing he was like first or second in touches passes attempted pass completion percentage uh he just was super influential in this game um he has a style of passing and a vision for runners that i think is really useful for trying to get the most out of Jordan Morris, trying to get Rusnak and Ladero into attacking positions, trying to find Rui Diaz in pockets of space. Um, I think he is back to the point that he was in 2019, where you know maybe he's not in a position where Schmetzer has to find a way to get him onto the field every week, but he's making a pretty good argument that he should be in that lineup. And the good news is this formation, if they want to keep running a you know five three two or any other riff on that, it gives a lot of the, the sort of fringe guys good spots um, I think that's a there are versions of that formation whether they want to run like a five two two one or whatever, depending on who's available. I think Josh Atencio fits well in this formation. I think you could get some really good performances out of Dylan Tevez out of this formation where you could play him as one of those sort of eights if you need to use Ladero or Rusnak somewhere else. Um, yeah, I I like this formation. I like the opportunity that it's provided for Danny Leva. It's good to see him get out there and have a good performance.
1: I know it's particularly silly to talk about uh, how well a defense played in a game where they gave up three goals, (laughs) but we're going to do it anyways, because I thought that kind of structure that the, that the base of particularly those two midfielders and those three center backs uh, gave like, so for instance, uh, the galaxy only had uh, 1.56 expected goals, uh, 0.7, 5 to .79 comes from a penalty that came well into stoppage time that I don't really necessarily care to discuss because it's whatever. It's just, again, one of those fluky things. And maybe in a little bit we can kind of talk about creating luck and not creating bad luck. But um, that leaves basically two, two goals that come from 10 shots about, about another uh 0.70 expected goals from the LA Galaxy. Uh that is a a very nice improvement over the last few weeks, right, Jeremiah?
0: Yeah, no, it is. It's a it's a huge improvement. Uh this defense I thought was well, you know, like they had some breakdowns. There's no question. Like the 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 three goals are all sort of different kinds of breakdowns and i and i would and i would say that the third goal was more the pro, not so much the play but it was the product of the team sort of uh giving the ball like they they clearly made a decision over the last 10 minutes of the game or so to just like kind of pack it in and defend and it was pretty stark uh the they i think they only even attempted 16 passes To it was like 77 to 16 passes uh a galaxy advantage over the last 10 minutes of the game, as opposed to the Sounders having a slight advantage during the first uh, 83 minutes or so, whatever it was uh, before the the su- bunch of subs. But yeah, I mean, I thought structurally the defense was, was pretty good. They just made some mistakes, which they've been doing a lot. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be a consistent trend where they make these sort of silly mistakes. But if you, if you just look at the chances, like the, the, the aggregate chances that they were giving up, They did a good job of preventing those, Uh, you know, like (laughs) I I think of all the goals, weirdly, the one that was the most frustrating was the first because here's Chicharito, who you have put in a three center back formation in part to stop because you don't want him getting the ball in the box uh, and with room to create. And yet you allow him to, to collect the ball without really any pressure on him uh and and then you know he he makes a good play to to finish it but uh, that's just this type of thing that with three center backs you should not be allowing the uh, the opposing team's center forward to just kind of like collect the ball in the box against a set defense
2: <laughs> to yeah. to that point i mean i think just a few minutes before he scored or maybe it was longer but in the opening like 5 minutes Chicharito had another opportunity where he just got like an open header in the box, and it happened to be sort of a flicked header that went straight at Fry. But like to your point, you can't let Chicharito have any space, especially if you're playing with a three center back setup.
1: Yeah, it looks like that chance came at eight thirty six. And then the goal came at 9.38. So it was one minute and two seconds before the goal. Um, And Chicharito isn't what he used to be, clearly. But uh, that's the type of goal or chances he's created his entire career. Um, And it's just a little bit of a bummer that that type of goal happened. And then the second goal is just sort of like, whatever. A deflected cross goes into the... Into the net, and it just kind of like um, happens. But those types of things have been happening a lot. Um, I think all of us are pretty uh, encouraged with the second half. Obviously, to go up three two and then give up a late penalty is annoying. But we're more than encouraged by um, by that second half performance what do we think our uh and I'll I'll start with Tim on this what what are some of the things that you would like to see uh, obviously we play portland this weekend but kind of going learning from that second half to take into the rest of the season
2: i mean i i couldn't tell you what things exactly they changed in their approach other than that they started finding the guys that you want on the ball in dangerous situations. <laughs> they started getting them the ball in dangerous situations. Like, um, I I think, I know Jeremiah talked about this on at least one of the two podcasts he put out already in the last couple of days, but <laughs> that uh, Resnack is getting opportunities to play passes from closer to the goal and that has a tendency to result in people scoring goals the you know what the the second goal comes on a series of plays where he hits the crossbar and the goal post in a matter of seconds and then the ball kind of bounces around and Ladera puts in the cross the Rudy has heads home. I think the more you get him the ball within 25 yards of goal, the more likely it is that he's going to get assists and he's going to get goals. Uh, he has shown more than capable of doing that. Uh, the same thing goes for Nico Lidero. The more often he is getting the ball in dangerous places rather than having to drop back to try to get the ball because the possession has gotten stuck in a little horseshoe from the fullbacks to the center backs. And occasionally one of Russ or his midfield partner or Ladero drops into basically a fullback position. Um, We weren't seeing that kind of stuff happen when they had possession, they were being a bit more purposeful with it. Um, Maybe that is, you know, maybe that's a result of Danny Leva being there as an easy passing option. And he really likes to pass the ball forward. I think FB ref has him as like a 90th plus percentile midfielder in terms of progressive passes per game. Like he is really good at moving the ball forward. Um, that solves one of the issues that has plagued the team recently that you know, they have a lot of possession, but they don't tend to do much with it. And because it takes them a while, the guys who thrive in transition opportunities or pseudo-transition opportunities don't get the ball in advantageous positions. And, you know, the attack sort of fizzles out. They, I think that's one of the big things that I'd like to see them continue going forward is that when they have possession, they make use of it quickly rather than just plodding along with it.
0: Yeah. To put some data uh sort of behind what you're saying about Danny Leva, I actually uh was digging around a Y Scout and he actually ranks 14th in the league. So like that's what does 90th percentile mean? He ranks 14th in the league in uh progressive ba- in progressive passes and His average distance uh, on those progressive or his average progressive passing distance is also uh, is even higher uh, among players that average all those uh, progressive passes. So he's he's definitely a plus passer. He's also uh, I was actually surprised at how high he ranks in this. He ranks fifth in the whole league in recoveries and fifth in counter pressing recoveries, which uh, I was actually which exceeded my like I, I figured he it felt like he was getting onto a lot of second balls. Uh, you know, when you watch him play, he seems to sort of be a vacuum uh, in that way. Like he, it, it just, the ball seems to gravitate towards him. And we saw it a lot against the Galaxy where he's just finding himself in the right position to to pick up loose balls. And that is an absolutely understated uh, or underappreciated uh, aspect of possession is is being able to not just like connect passes, but to to keep it when you when you lose it. And we saw, you know, he, I don't know if he had a a recovery on the second goal, but the Sounders, I thought the thing that jumped out to me so much about what was so encouraging about that second goal was yes. uh, Rusnak put in a couple of good shots, but they also got the rebound on both of those. And then they were able to keep possession uh, like two or three other times through, you know, uh, just
1: good play. Yeah. I think one of the things that has happened um, over the last kind of several months at this point is the Sounders will have um, decent enough attacking structure in the final third. They'll create decent chances, but they'll create one chance and it'll either go out for a goal kick or the goalkeeper will collect it or it's a corner kick. And that's another thing we can talk about in a little bit. But then there's not – they don't really recycle possession – well enough or they don't really kind of uh, get into that second phase of an attack without it completely breaking down and heading back towards the center circle to one of the center backs or even worse all the way back to the goalkeeper. Um, And I was particularly encouraged by, uh, by that happening against the galaxy, because I don't, I don't like, I don't know if this is anything other than just vibes, but having a third center back, allows everybody else on the team to kind of sort of calm down and be a little bit more brave in, in possession and, and do those things. You know, Russ is playing a new position this year that he's never played before. He's never played in a double pivot. And I think it's been evident over the summer, like he's worried about what's behind him. So he doesn't get as far forward. Uh, you know, Danny Leva, who is a, is a young player, a very good young player, but he's coming back from kind of two years of setbacks. Um, Nicholas Lodaro's coming back. He has, he has kind of that, that, that safety net behind him to kind of go wherever he wants. And then even the, even the wingbacks uh, can, can hold their width and they, and they can trust that, the that those central defenders will be there again, again, that that three goals got scored on the defense, but um I think those are those are some things to take away that can hopefully be built upon. Now watch they'll they'll revert back to a four two three one on Friday, and this entire <laughs> conversation will be moot. <laughs> that would be a bummer, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't think that will happen. If it does, I I, I would be, I I agree, especially since it's a run match against Portland. Uh, but yeah, one um, one more thing I want to talk about the Galaxy game is uh, Jordan Morris. Um, we were, we were kind of like one of the things that was assumed or told or put together through various different things is that like one of the reasons why the team went back to a, a four, two, three, one formation this year was to try to get the best out of Jordan Morris. Um, that clearly hasn't happened, but playing alongside Raul Ruiz Diaz in a front two, with Nicholas Lodaro behind Jordan Morris kind of seemed to free him up in a way that um, I thought was really encouraging.
0: I, I did too. And I, I think that there's this, I don't know. I don't know how much of this is really driving the decision-making process, but I've sort of got the impression that the Sounders really wanted to do right by Jordan and Christian, especially in terms of amp like putting them in the best position possible to make the world cup roster. And I think there was this belief with, with both of them that being in those attacking spots was, was good. And I, and that's not to say that the Sounders didn't feel like those were their good positions, but uh, I, I actually think Jordan is more valuable to the U S national team. If he can sort of like illustrate that he can play forward as well. Like he doesn't necessarily need to be a number nine, but if he can, show his usefulness as a second forward or playing in a two forward set. That's something that the U S national team doesn't have a ton of players to do. They don't play with a two forward set very often, but to have that in their bag, I think would be pretty useful. And by the way, I thought he looked great as a, as a second forward in this game. He made a lot of forward like runs. He has been sort of doing that all along this year. You know, his, his numbers have not been that of a traditional winger. He's not dribbling guys. He's not putting in a lot of crosses he's doing, but he is producing a fair amount of, of goal scoring chances, both uh, for himself and like for himself and for others. Uh, And he's doing that when he's high up the pitch, he's, you know, he's an honest defender, but no one's out there saying like Jordan Morris is a, you know, like a, an end line to end line type of player, but I really do think playing in a forward set is at least for right now, while he's still like, he is still clearly uh, regaining what he lost during the the last year. And and I do think that that's probably his best position right now. And him and Raul seem to work really well together as well.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you tweeted after the game or during the game that it was the uh, first assist a forward had on a, yeah. on a goal all season. <laughs> Which, Which is, I mean, it, if you play two forwards, uh, the chances of one forward getting an assist yeah. is a lot higher. But I think it kind of illustrates a larger problem that the Sounders have been having all season.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and to sort of build on that, I, I I was compiling some. I was trying to sort of illustrate the difference between the Sounders this year mm-hmm. and last year. And probably the most stark difference is their forwards had combined for twenty-seven goals and six primary assists last year. Uh, this year, it's eleven and one. Um, And that's, and that's counting Jordan's goal as a forward uh, yeah. from this last game. Uh, so yeah, it's the, the forward production has taken a dramatic downturn. And if you were looking for like a glowing sign of like what's gone differently this year, that might be the, that might be it right there. <laughs> Tim, I think it's... you had
1: something
2: you wanted to step in with. Yeah. So one of the tough things with those kinds of stats that Raul Rui Diaz has played like a third of the total available minutes this season, which one, if you have the best striker in the league and he plays most of a season pretty much healthy and, you know, is in the running for the golden boot. And then the next season he plays a third of that and contributes like a third as many goals that's going to be tough. But also, Raul Rui Diaz, he has such a gravity on the field that not only is he an option for Jordan Morris or Christian Roldan to find with a cutback pass inside the box, or for any of the, you know, for Alex Roldan to hit crosses to whatever, he also is going to pull defenders in a way that like all love and respect to Will Bruin and Freddie Montero at this point, they just don't do that. Um, I think they've both put in really good efforts while Rui Diaz has been out, but they're just not Rui Diaz at this point. Um, And one of the big differences I think we saw in the game against the galaxy was one, you did have Raul out there looking like Raul, but also one of the compounding issues for Jordan this season has been that, you know, a cascading series of events that Nuhu not being much of an influence going forward, teams have figured out, and we've seen in the last several games, they just don't put someone on him when the Sounders have the ball, and so they either double team Jordan Or they put someone on Jordan and they put someone in the passing lane from the middle of the field to cut any balls on the ground off to Jordan. And they can set their defensive line of engagement so that if they try to hit a ball over the top for Jordan to run onto, it's got to be so flat. Or by the time it hits, he's got such a small window to get onto the ball before it's either out into touch or the keeper can get to it it's been super difficult to get the ball to him he also to your point he doesn't really play like your typical chalk on his boots winger he whether he's playing as a forward or a winger his main like dangerous move is making inside runs from that outside channel that if you play him as a forward and he moves to that outside channel, he's probably pulled a center back out to that spot. And so then he's running out of center back in open field. If he's playing on the wing to start with, there's a center back backing up the fullback that he's trying to do that against. And the likelihood of him succeeding there is just, much slower unless you can have someone who is pulling those center backs away, creating space. Um, I, I do think him being able to play as a forward, whether that's a second forward next to Rui Diaz or really like either of Will Bruin or Freddie Montero, if Rui Diaz needs a break at some point in the next eight games, um, it does feel like right now the best use of Jordan Morris.
1: I agree. I think, and then having those two wingbacks, keeping defenses honest with, with the width and the structure does all the world of difference to allow Jordan the space that he needs to succeed, which um, bodes well for the Sounders. Um, we would, uh, we wouldn't, we should talk about the Portland game, um, which feels like a really weird time but is there ever a good time to play Portland, especially since the beginning of 2019? The home team has lost eight of the last 10 um, matches in this fixture, uh, which is like some, something like, like an away team. If you take any other combination of MLS teams, the away team hasn't won more than five of the last 10. So that's fun. Um, I mean that bodes well, right? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're going to be the it, away team this weekend, and uh, that means uh, we're going to win, right, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure,
0: absolutely. Uh, I would, you know, it, it is a it, it's a funny, it has been a really funny period in this in this uh, rivalry uh, with the road team dominating the way that they have. But if you take like that historical element out of it, and I suppose there is, it's tempting to say uh, the home teams do. And, uh, but like, I'm going to ignore that part of it and just focus on the timing of this match for these two teams. I think one thing I feel very confident in saying is that the the roles were reversed. If the Sounders were coming off a 4-1 loss to the worst team in the Western Conference
1: after getting smashed by TFC the week before too.
0: Right, right. Exactly. After a a week. out, And so coming off two straight losses, two straight bad losses. uh, And the Timbers were coming off a come from behind uh result where they got sort of hard done by a penalty. Uh, I think Sounders fans would be saying like, Oh, we have no chance in this game. And I don't think that would be true, but I think, I guess I, I say this to illustrate that. If you can't be confident in this game with these circumstances, you're probably never going to be confident going into uh, a game against the Timbers. And, you know, who, who knows it's a cliche and you can sort of throw the, to sort of throw the records out. And I think that's been especially true in this rivalry, but I don't know, like the Sounders are playing with at least some momentum and the Timbers are playing with absolutely negative momentum right now. Uh, They're winless, I think in their last five, which isn't that much worse than the Sounders, but they have not looked good in any of those last five. Uh, One win in their last
1: seven too.
0: Yeah. And, and that, and, and like their best result was that insane game against Minnesota United that went 4-4 where they were just like trading goals and it was absolute madness uh so it's it's been yeah they they they've drawn their last two at home i think 1-1 one, one, both draws i think they've only scored one goal in each of their last four games uh it's not a good time uh you know the timbers i'm sure are not like feeling like oh yeah we're catching the sounders at exactly the right time
1: yeah, and uh, the last time, the last time Seattle played there went pretty well. Went it was pretty well, six to two. Yeah. Um, which may or may not be. Yeah, I think like kind of all things go out the window. <laughs> yeah, they do. The, like in the if you want to take the previous forty-one matchups between these teams, each team has won seventeen of them, and then there's been seven draws. So there, wow. it's just like literally even. Uh, that's 40 the last 41 matches yeah. um including playoffs um which makes 2018 a little interesting because technically it was a draw and what technically the sounders won but they lost um we don't have to anyways i'm getting kind of really in the weeds there <laughs> but um yeah i don't know what to think about this other than the fact that uh are we expecting like a statement or fireworks or, or what, Tim?
2: I think in all of my recaps for the last several games, at some point I've written about, you know, the cumulative weight of players trying to pull the team out of a slum and that, sometimes it feels like a season of doing that is just too much for a team to bear. Um, And I've applied that to the Sounders week after week, but you know what the Sounders haven't had to bear is the added weight of like controversy after controversy after controversy (laughs) where the fans are protesting and you know, the GM is trying to like put the weight of his decisions actually on the players uh as gavin wilkinson did with alleging that you know very specifically the latino players tried to like say that he did the wrong thing in the decisions around andy polo and letting him go which is definitely a you know a specific choice that he made whether that was intentional or not um
0: but i just wanted to add this real fast we we talked to uh Sam Svealer of uh of Sometown Footy and we we brought this this thing up and he mentioned and I I would urge everyone to go listen to that it's on this feed if you are interested in that conversation. the one before this one. The one before this one. You should have already listened to it. Exactly. If you're a (laughs) if you're a completionist, uh you should have already you should have already listened to it. But uh I'll just quickly recap it. Basically, uh a bunch of Portland fans put together that uh that Valeri wasn't even on the team when yeah. this discussion probably happened. Yeah, and but, like the idea that he was out there like trying to save Andy Polo's job is just total BS.
1: And print and like printing that claim without any sort of fact checking like that is, is a little weird. <laughs> well, to it, say the least, it, but it, it's a little yeah. weird,
0: but it's. I I think it came out because he he made the statement to like it was like an it was sort of like a it wasn't like an official capacity. He was talking to season ticket holders. But um, it's just funny that he was trying to tell season ticket holders this thing. And anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's all to say that for all that. The sounders have been trying to pull themselves out of a slump, they are still two spots ahead of the Timbers in the standings to Jeremiah's point. They do have a little bit of momentum after the last game and they don't have all of this other stuff like, you know, this isn't necessarily a must win game. I think we've had several games recently where it's been like, well, if they want to be a playoff team, they've got to be able to beat RSL at home or whatever that like doesn't happen, but this certainly feels like a winnable game for the Sounders. And wouldn't that just be a nice nice little turning point for it the would. home stretch of the season?
0: It it really would. And you know, last year the Timbers were able to uh use I guess they I guess they kind of turned their season around after the six two win, but certainly uh when they when they won the It was that a
1: similar point in the season. It was later
0: in the year, but there were more games happening. Yeah, and they and they they I guess you could maybe even more point to the the game they won on the road against the Sounders as maybe the real turning point of their season. And they obviously rode that all the way to MLS Cup. Uh you know, I I figure the Sounders probably need something like 13 to 16 points from these last 8 games in order to to get into the playoffs. And you know, you win this one and it makes the job a lot easier. You lose. I mean, you could still do it without winning this game, but man, it it the road becomes much, much, much more manageable if if they can win this. And and I would say, like, I, if they win this game, I, I would feel like making the playoffs is may, maybe not a foregone conclusion, but suddenly feels very
1: likely. As someone who doesn't believe in momentum, I think it would give them the momentum. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Finish the season strong. Uh are there any other points about the game you want to make before I make you guys pick a lineup? Oh, I like I like this I like this feature. <laughs> uh do we okay, let's kind of run through a series of logical questions. Do we think uh the Sounders are gonna play the same formation against Portland as they did last week against LA? I mean, I I would think it would be
0: almost like crazy not to right like the first time you've played well in two months yeah you gotta go Uh, back yeah
2: i agree it just puts so many people in like positions in a football sense but also like the spots on the field where they are going to be most successful i think it's if not your all the time formation as long as Roldan's out and maybe when he comes back I think it's got to at least be your road formation
1: I uh, have gone back a few years um, not to the beginning of time or anything but I don't think the Sounders have gone an entire season of of not beating Portland I'm all the way back to 2013 and that's the last time it happened yeah so that's a long time that's nine years Um, and a lot of you're
0: saying they didn't beat Portland in 2013? Correct. Oh, that that yeah, I guess that was the that was the that was the first Caleb Porter year, I guess, isn't it? Uh, oh,
1: they did. Oh, they did beat them in 2013. Wow, look at that. Okay, um, so it's been a long time since they've since before 2013 because I just scrolled all the way back to then that they haven't beaten the Timbers, um, let alone what disaster it'd be if both matches ended in a loss, but. <laughs> Well, they, um, they
0: definitely beat them at least once in two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve. I can I can assure you of that. Okay, and
1: so that's that's the basically the entire MLS exi- and that is did, the entire yeah. Um, so that would uh, another kind of like notch into how cursed this season could be is that you know the the the, the years the Sounders when CCL is when they don't beat the Timbers, but let's not um, let's not talk that into existence. My God. Yeah. I mean, you can blame me if it happens, even though I'm just a guy. Uh, All right. So um, everybody thinks, all all three of us, I should say, thinks that we're going to play a back three, back five. Um, That leaves a couple of questions. Jeremiah, who do you think is going to start at left wing back?
0: That is, I think, probably the big uh, question mark. I don't know if there is another notable question mark, but that—that's certainly I the one. I asked the questions. So yeah, you did the question mark. Right, but it's the one. I'm saying I don't even know if there's another position <laughs> where there's a where where there's <laughs> going to be a dispute. But I guess I'm inclined to just stick with Roe. Uh, but I I could I could definitely understand the logic behind going with Madranda.
1: especially since
0: what happened last year. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Uh and and it wouldn't be, be I wouldn't put it past Brian to like make that like that goal be, <laughs> being <laughs> the deciding factor in who to start in this game.
1: Tim, who who do you want to start at
2: left back? For I'll I'll just say Madronda for the sake of someone saying something different, but also because I like it. I, I would love to see him run that back uh my my big question is that we haven't seen him start in a while so i don't you just never know if he actually can or not uh, yeah but and yeah and I'll, his I'll only
0: and his only game starting at left wing back slash left back i think was the miami game where he was you know that was a tough one although he playing. started against toronto i think Oh, on the left left wing back. Oh, he did. Okay, well that was a that was a good one. So maybe that's a point in his favor then. Uh, So I won't even talk. Played sixty
1: minutes. Okay.
0: Well, look, you may may that's that's a pretty good point
1: in his favor. I think. Uh, I also started against Nashville at left wing back and played fifty seven minutes. Oh, lost. Okay. He hasn't
0: started at left back this season, which is uh, no Miami. He started against Miami at left back, didn't he? uh yeah you're right but that was and like that was his first game i think that was his first start of the season yeah and, and, he, and, got and brian at at, he got hooked at halftime and brian actually sort of did this may i call a thing where he's like i didn't put him in a position to succeed uh basically alluding to he wasn't ready to probably wasn't ready to start and he definitely wasn't ready to start at a position where he could be exposed uh
1: so maybe that i've talked myself into the Duranda, but medranda redemption starting yeah. against portland and i like it scoring um probably so all, be scoring yeah i <laughs> i i thought there would be more more of an interesting positional uh conversation to have but if we all think danny Leva is going to start which i think we do yeah uh, there is danny
0: danny leva to me <laughs> right now is maybe like to me he's he's the starter until proven otherwise right like he He's actually been really good, even though the Sounders record with him in the in the lineup is not great. Uh, Their XG when he plays is is actually pretty good. So they which tells me they're creating chances when he's on the field. And right now, I feel like chance creation is probably the thing I'm most concerned about with the Sounders. Uh, I guess chance finishing is maybe up there, too. But uh, I'm I'm also sort of a believer that if you create enough chances, you're going to score goals. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I really think Leva is maybe the key to unlocking the full potential of, of or at least the most potential we're going to get out of Rusnak right now, absent Paolo and, and Obed Vargas. Uh, I, I still really like Atencio, but we're not like, I, I feel like he, the only way he's going to get a start is if it's to rest Leyva or, and, and he, he like, on like theoretically, I think he complements he complements Rusnak better, but we haven't seen him play enough to really say that. Yeah,
1: and t- go ahead, Tim.
2: Oh, I I mean, I was just going to agree. Like, I I think at this point, unless Leva can't go, you don't play someone over him in that position. Um, I if you change things at this point in that midfield, you're just changing them to change them. And I like, I don't think that's a branch. Schmetzer thing to do. Yeah.
0: It isn't. And I think that that's actually one of the things that's been one of the problems over the last few months is their inability, not necessarily by choice, but their inability to put out a consistent lineup. And it's not even like the same, just that it's not the same 11 guys. It's that you're messing with, different pairings constantly and especially at that defensive midfield spot where it's been you know it's just been a a rotating door of partners for albert rusnak and and leva seems to be working there and if you can solidify that part of the field i feel like everything else will sort of
1: like take care of itself so so we all think it's going to be the strongest possible 11 without thinking about the orlando game next wednesday
0: yeah, I, I think the Orlando game is maybe you like you don't punt that one because it is a really winnable game. But playing this game on Friday is actually a pretty big bonus for the Sounders because it gives them it actually gives them two extra
1: days of rest than Orlando's gonna have. Uh and And if you go all the way back to if you kind of count back backwards to the LAFC game, they've ended up with four or five extra days of rest because the games have either been played on Friday night, Sunday mm. afternoon, Tuesday night. They, they've they actually ended yeah. up with more rest than other MLS teams across the last month or so with this oh, kind of um uh, schedule, which is I think a point that I think you can probably just play with a, with a tweak here and there, maybe a different left wing back in the both games, but I think you could do, I think you could do your strongest. You can do your strongest lineup on Friday against Portland. You can do a p- pretty strong lineup Wednesday against Orlando, and then you have until Sunday night yeah. to play Houston. So I think yeah. I I would not expect a lot of rotation, especially since all three of those games are winnable.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I think you even could like use a little bit of like. Load management across the next couple games, and you know, maybe against Orlando, Rui Diaz doesn't start, but he comes on in the 60th or he comes on at halftime. You could play Jackson Reagan in place of one of the other center backs for that game. That's not going to be a huge drop in quality, but you can keep one of the other guys fresh for the Houston game. Like, you can give Tevez some minutes. You can, if you want to flip your Left wing backs for the two games. You can keep, you know, maybe Roe can play on Wednesday and then against Houston again, whatever. Um, yeah, I think you go full bore against Portland, because I don't think it makes sense to play a rotated lineup against them. And then I mean, traveling to the East Coast or Eastern time zone is always a little bit rough anyway. So throw the dice a little bit on that one
0: yeah i mean and and houston it should be said not to look too far ahead but houston houston is like an absolute must win game you if you have any hope of of anything you you gotta win houston at home i think there's two games like that on the schedule left uh there's that game and there's san jose at home which is the the season finale like those are two games where if you can't get six points out of those two games it almost doesn't matter what else you do because it's going to be really hard to come up with a scenario that they can make those up. Uh but every but every every other I think what is encouraging about this run in is every game on the schedule is winnable. It's not necessarily a you know like I don't know if they're like out and out favorites to win all of they're certainly not out and out favorites to win all of them, but they I, I think if you look at the matchups, like their toughest game is is at home against Austin, but it's a home game, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Their toughest road game is, I don't know. Portland.
2: Portland, I guess. But... Or Cincinnati. No, Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's home is at game. home. Oh, you're right. You're right.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, their road games are Orlando, Portland, Kansas City, and... Nope. Vancouver.
2: Vancouver. Vancouver.
0: Vancouver, I guess, might be their toughest road game. Like Orlando is probably the game that's easiest to like. If you're going to pull back, that's the game that it makes the most sense to. But uh... and Orlando, Orlando
1: will have the following weekend off because MLS is moving their game Mm. because the next Wednesday is the Open Cup final.
0: But but Orlando's pretty like they're pretty average. They're only five and seven at home right now. Uh, And it does
1: sort of like it's not literally Open Cup or bust for them this season, but. They'll probably. I mean, they'll I mean, probably I make mean, the playoffs. But yeah, yeah. But like, anytime you can win a trophy now versus maybe winning one in the future, you you do the thing now, which I think Sounders fans are acutely aware of at this point in this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we gonna win on Friday, Jeremiah? Man,
0: I oh here, I want to I want to say yes. I I do feel like this is like a a tie. This the game just like screams it's gonna end up in a tie. Uh, just because it, it feels like it would sort of like not fit anyone's narrative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tim, are we going to win on
2: Friday? Yeah, I think we win. And I think we see Danny Levis first time last goal.
1: Oh, I like yeah. it. I'm I like, on board. It. there we go.
2: I want to I have that Friday night
1: and yeah. I'll be in Wisconsin, but that's the kind of Friday night I want to have. Uh, anyways, I have been Mark Kastner, Jeremiah O'Shan, obviously everybody knows him and Tim Foss uh thank you so much uh for listening. I am uh back on the show uh, and uh go sounders.